the Bulls have three seconds to try a shot and try to win the game. This is the Notebook Wagering Podcast. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Coming to you from the betting deck. Don't believe what I just saw. Here are your hosts. Jenks! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Hey, it's Wednesday night. It is notebook wagering time. Live from the Salisbury Center, fueled by Monster Energy. I am Smitty. I am in studio. We got the full team here this Wednesday night. We got Q back, man. It is so great to see Q. Q, I'm going to come to you first. You've been kind of gone for a couple of days here or a couple of shows. Uh, why don't you dive in and tell the audience what's going on in your life? All good news, but go at it, my friend. Yeah, I've uh, been sleep deprived. I've got a new child, new daughter. So that was uh that was a, an excused absence from the show. I did get it from uh, from our bosses, so I'm glad to be back. A little tired. Uh, you brought on the, the – I'm not wearing a hat this time. My house looks like a tornado. I got a two-year-old running around. I'm just lucky to be down here in the basement in the studio, so we're going to take that as a win. Yeah, you're kind of throwing me off tonight with no hat. <laughs> just, just draw one on. No, you look good. I mean, you look good. Don't worry about it. I like that. And then, like I said, I, I've taken over now the chair. I, you might be over a little bit. We'll see. We'll see. If you come back, I might be a nice guy and kind of give it back to you. Hey, Jason, what's going on up in Pittsburgh tonight? Nothing. Enjoying our Mitch Keller day Mitch as Keller. it was today. He is the guy to bet on when the Pirates and don't bet on anybody else. But he has cashed in. I think it's the seventh win of the season. And, uh, the only guy pitching right now they have worth a darn. So just enjoying the W and the series win over the Giants. Yeah, I lost that Rich Hill. Can't do it anymore. Dr. Brent really comes after me anymore on that. So that was a tough one. Hey, we got Matty Iceman up in Pittsburgh, too. Matty, what's going on? Smitty, I think I warned you about Rich Hill in the beginning of the year, and you said you liked that guy. So I'm going to send you a bunch of his rookie cards, though. Maybe even one's an auto, and you can frame that sucker and put it up on your wall. <laughs> Nothing good here. Uh, back at the work grind. Uh, I just want to give a special shout out to all the uh, Memorial Day vets. For everybody, we appreciate all your stuff. Hopefully everybody had a good weekend. We know all the sacrifices you made, but let's kick it off. We got a big slate, man. We got the finals of the NHL, finals of uh, the NBA. So let's roll. Yeah, well said there, my Matt there. Thank you very much. But, yeah, let's dive into the NBA. Let's break down. I'm going to do this since I'm kind of hosting tonight. I'm going to let's talk Celtics for a little bit here. Let's talk game seven in the Eastern just to kind of I'd love to hear your guys two thought, you know, some thoughts on this. It was very disappointing for me when you, your team's down 0-3 and then they come back and you're feeling good. You're back in Boston, but then it goes really, really bad. So I'll put my two cents in here in a couple minutes. Um, Maddie, why don't we start with you? What happened with the Celtics in game seven? Cause it wasn't pretty. I, I think I, I don't want to say that I said it on the show with Will Hill, but I said, do you know how hard it is to win four games in a row? I mean, that is, nobody's ever done it. It's just, it, nobody's ever done it down three zero. Uh, there's been sweeps of course, but, and, and a four one, et cetera, like that. But man, you, it's, that's so many emotions. That's such a, a gritty stretch you have to gear up for game in, game out. You can't you can't screw around. Your coach has to be on point. And I said that I was not a fan of that coach. Folstra, I mean, and then as soon as the, the game starts, and I do kind of feel bad, but I don't. Uh, Tatum rolled his ankle right out of the gate. And I think you saw that the balloon basically did pop as soon as that happened. And you saw him limping. And then Brown didn't show up, and I mean, it was it was a slow stick the knife in, turn it for Game Seven. But hey, for all you Heat fans and Heat backers, good for you guys. Uh, I, I think they actually deserve to win the series. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to the finals because I'm on the Nuggets train. So I'll turn it over to Jason next. Oh, I just Boston is just a team. It's really easy to hate. Like you look at them; that's a good basketball team, and they're really poorly coached. 
They were looking for a way out, Maddie. You're giving you're getting off too easy on them. That is way too talented of a team to get in that situation in the first place. And you get it home in Boston. That place has been going nuts. Tatum rolls his ankle. So what? They should have somebody step up. I, I can't believe I'm talking like Mr. Sports Talk here, but like that team was so frustrating to watch. I'm sorry. I, the Heat deserved every bit of that series. Like you watch the way they play versus the way the Celtics. Celtics are so much better on paper. It's ridiculous, but you know they got what they deserved. And the Heat, I think, is really good. Actually, going to be a good finals. Just real quick, I was off the East Conference anyway. As soon as my Sixers blew it against Boston, because it, realistically, that's who should have been in the finals against the Heat. And I still think that the uh, so they got the three two and lost. Yeah, I think the NBA Finals should be the Sixers and the Nuggets, and we get the battle of the big men that we wanted. But no, thanks, Doc Rivers. You can suck. It. <laughs> well, that's the problem. You were never going to get there because of what you just said. I Doc know. Rivers is never going to. Here we go fine. again. We're going to we're going to lose Doc Rivers now on the show like we did last week with a couple people. <laughs> Q, did you catch? We lose Doc Rivers. Uh, well, how's we... that guy? How's he a candidate? Feel? Yeah, that's I don't. Ridiculous. I don't. What is he like? Best friends with Isaiah Thomas? That's ridiculous. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we want Doc Rivers on the show. Uh, he did get a championship for Boston, but that's okay. Q, in your craziness of being a you know a dad again. Did you catch any of the NBA? I caught a little bit of it. I obviously I watched the last game uh, with with Tatum rolling the ankle. It, it's pretty pathetic if you're a Celtics fan to to blow that three zero series and you couldn't get one out of the next you know four games. Like Jason alluded to, they're so much better on paper, but you could just see like Jimmy Butler and Duncan and, and those guys like they play with heart. They play team basketball. You know, they, they never stopped grinding, and it just seemed like the Celtics, I wouldn't say were checked out, but it seemed like after they, they went up 3 up nothing, it was kind of like, ah, it is what it is. Like, we'll catch it, and they just never did. And they were kind of caught, you know, on their tailbones and, and couldn't really react. Um, credit to, to Jimmy Butler. I think he's, you know, you could argue he's probably at least this season, in this moment, he's top three basketball player right now. I mean, to, to lead a team like that is incredible. You know, the guy's a workhorse. Yeah, I'll throw my two cents here because I'm a big Celtics fan. Uh, losing Tatum hurt, but he played. That's an excuse. There's a lot of other guys that could have stepped up. Like, I think Jason kind of hit on. They could have stepped up and did some things there. Brown... I'll tell you right now, Brown, in my opinion, this is two straight years in a row that I've got, you know, last year, the Celtics should have won the championship last year. And then they should have won it again this year because you had the Heat taking out Milwaukee. That was probably maybe the best team. Now, Maddie's going to say Philly, and Philly had a very talented team. But Brown can't dribble. Have you ever seen a guy in the NBA that can't dribble a basketball? Because that guy can't dribble a basketball, especially trying to like shift and make a move on somebody. He loses the ball. I think he had eight turnovers in game seven and he didn't shoot well. He didn't show up. And then again, like I, I like Marcus Smart. I do. White. Hey, without White, that game's not even close. He was carrying them on his back in the third quarter. I think they had it down to seven at one point. And I'm sitting on the couch going, all right, you know, here it comes. Here it comes. And Big Al just, you know, I had his, I had uh, points, rebounds, I think over 13 and a half I gave out on Twitter, and that was a winner. He did rebound well, and he had a couple, but he didn't shoot well, and he's on his last leg too. Like Maddie said, the coach is, the coach isn't good. I mean, he's just not. I'm sorry. Go watch your movie. The town, or like I said last week, Porky's. You watch the town yet? No, I didn't watch. I'd rather watch Porky's and all of the Porky's than the, the town. And the I probably town, wouldn't. The really town's good. a good movie. I, I would like the town. I mean, I, like yeah, I said. ridiculous. I, well, listen, guys, I'm watching American Pickers, <laughs> and I'm trying to handicap here. And I'm watching, <laughs> I'm watching, I'm trying to catch something on late night Cinemax. So, you know, other than that, I'm just. You have a phone for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so overall, it just wasn't good. Where, where, okay, so here, I'm going to ask this before we dive into the next series. As a Celtics fan, where are they going to go? Because you have all this money in with Tatum. Now you're going to have to pay Brown all this money. How are they going to build around this team now? 
Man, they missed their window. They missed they don't their window, brown. didn't it? Jason, go ahead, man. Did they miss their window? For, you need shots for white. You don't pay brown. So, And then you think about Marcus Smart because he tries to get himself in the offense still far too much for a guy who's a really good defender. I mean, they're running plays through him at the end of the game. The game, game six, with the layup at the buzzer, they ran a play for Marcus Smart. Out of white, Tatum and Brown, they pick him to give the ball to? Like, what is that? So I think you get rid of Smart, you get rid of Brown, you let White develop, you go find someone that can play, play, uh, make sure that Jason Tatum gets the ball way more than he's getting it now, and you play Robert Williams. Like, Miami didn't have an answer for him. He should have played way more than Horford did. Well, can I, can, he needed someone near the rim because Bam doesn't really want to play by the rim. Can I, can I just jump in? Everything he wanted. Not to cut you off, I just saw today. No. Now, how true this is, again, you see stuff, and I've always said this, you, it's hard to believe everything. They said he had the flu and he was thrown up big time in the locker room before game seven. Robert Ooh, Robert Williams. That came out today. Well, he played better than a lot of the guys who weren't sick. So maybe Brown should have caught that flu. That would have been nice. <laughs> I think it's convenient that anytime there's a team that loses in a heightened moment that there's always an injury or somebody – their stories come out the flu. They were taking an IV right before, you know, shoot around. It just seems, I don't know. I'm not discrediting it. I wasn't there. I wasn't the team doctor. But I find it convenient that in numerous occasions in sports, not just the Celtics or in basketball in general, there's always somebody, well, they were bad. Now they lost the game. The report's coming out. There was flu in camp, you know. And it just seems, I don't know, that seems like a scapegoat. Um but Brown's gone. I don't see where they keep him. And then Smart, you know, same thing with him. You know, he reminds me of, like, Andre Iguodala, who's just one of the best defenders. But then, you know, when the 76ers would go down late in the game and they would draw it up for him, obviously he was their star player, which, which you would consider a star player for that team, and he would just always break the shot. That's who Marcus Smart reminds me of. Just know your role, play good lockdown defense, and just let the other guys shoot. Smitty Brown doesn't like the spotlight. He's he's gone. They can't afford to pay him because he's going to get a max contract, which is scary. 50, 50 million. And between him and Tatum, it's going to be, I, I don't know the number. I've heard the number. It's insane. But what Jason said, though, makes a lot of sense. You have to have somebody give Tatum the ball. And I already hate these rumors. Oh, let's go get Dane Lillard. But Dane Lillard doesn't want to dish the ball. That dude wants to no. shoot more. Than Tatum a shooter. Does. Yeah. That if you want to get somebody to, to dish the ball, I know the week, uh, the free agency class is really weak, but go get Fred VanVleet. Put him in there. Let him dish the ball. He's still good for 18 points a game, but he can get you eight to nine assists a game, too. Perfect complement with Robert Williams. Fill in somebody. Get rid of Horford. Bring in some free agent power forward. Reset. Uh, but like, it, it's not that complicated. Who knows what they're going to do? But, I mean... God, yeah, get rid of him. Bring, bring back the Celtics legend, Rajon Rondo. He dished you a, net, a freaking world title. <laughs> Let's go. Hey, he played. He did play crazy D though too. Yeah, he was he good. Did. That was a good team. Couldn't shoot. Couldn't shoot to save his life, but good <laughs> God, he could dish a ball. <laughs> I wanted to. The Jalen Brown dribbling reminded me of when you watched the old early two thousand Ben Wallace trying to dribble. I was thinking the Wizards with John Wall. John Wall had about nine turnovers. When he would drive, the ball would bounce off his leg. That's who I ben, thought immediately. Ben Wall literally looked like he had a frying pan after a hand trying to dribble do, a ball. Do you, did you guys ever watch The Office, the TV show? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you yeah. remember when they did that basketball uh, episode with the guys going downstairs and uh, you know, he wanted Stanley to play and Stanley came down and he was dribbling really bad. Like he could barely <laughs> dribble the ball. Yeah. People were putting that on Twitter and I got a good laugh out of that because that's what this guy, two years in a row, I had to watch this guy can't dribble. How's this guy that good? And he can't dribble a basketball. It's bad. It's a ghost. In in a corner on a good team and hit threes. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. All right, let's get let's go. I think tomorrow night. Tomorrow night we got so Miami's heading out, and you got Denver. Denver's well rested. I mean, they've been off for a long time here. <laughs> and again, here's a Miami team, guys. That is just amazing because they have like eight or nine guys on this team, not drafted. The coach is unbelievable. They do try to play some type of zone with this. Do they have any shot at all? I mean, any shot at all. 
I mean, and Jason had a good text today about Caleb Martin that should have won the MVP. I'm sorry. He should have got it over Jimmy Buckets, man. He played, I mean, watching these games, he was the better player on the court. He killed the Celtics. So do the Heat have any shot beating Denver? Jason, I'll start with you. I would defer to Maddie to let him go first. Okay, go ahead, Maddie. No, they, they do not. Um, and I'm and I'm not saying that like smart acidly. I, I just think it's a horrible, horrible matchup for Miami. They don't have anybody who can guard Murray. They're going to play a zone, which they're good at. But Nikola Jokic is going to eat that zone up like no other. He distributes the ball better than point guards. I mean, they're going to have cutters. And then once somebody cuts, somebody's going to pinch the lane, and there's Murray out for three, or Brown outside for three, or Porter outside for three. Porter and Gordon are going to cut to the hoop. They actually have more scores than you think, even though they're not stuffing the stat sheet. Porter Jr. is fantastic. Aaron Gordon can still dump in. I mean, you look at his over-under props, it's usually around 15 a game, which is solid. Murray's going to give you 20. Jokic is going to give you 20. Jokic is going to give you the triple-double. I mean... Bam is a good defender, but I think with Jokic against Bam, they're ten and two, and he shoots sixty to sixty-seven percent every game against the Heat. I mean, it, it, that's nuts. I just don't think, and you know, Denver is going to be absolutely crazy for the first time ever to see this team in the finals. Home court's going to be lit. I, I just, I think this is going to be dumb to say. I actually think the Heat may steal game one, as we've seen in so many times, in so many series, even going back to the Sixers-Lakers with Iverson. Like, they stole game one, and then they just get absolutely thrashed out of the rest of the games. I think that's what's going to happen. I like the Nuggets, and I like the, like the Nuggets in five. So you're going with the gentleman sweep? Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. I think Miami can steal game one because Denver has been off that long. Um, I think that's a, that's a detriment. Like you want to have that like perfect amount of rest, but I think that's a full week now that they've been off. Um, and plus, I think it's easier for Miami to steal game one than game two because you're going to have to deal with the altitude in game two. That's one thing that's noted. You not so much that game that hurts you; it's your recovery, especially if you're not used to it. So you have some older guys and older legs on Miami. I don't think they're going to be quite as fresh on game two. So I definitely think Denver will win that one. But I think, I don't know, you know, Miami has used a lot of zone because they knew it bothered Boston. I don't think, and they used a lot this year because they were so hurt, but I don't think they'll use it in this game. I think they're going to let Jokic do what he wants to do and just take away everybody else. And I think that'll work. I don't know if it'll work enough to win the series, but I think it can make him competitive. And it's just where the points are going to come from. You're going to need, what's we call it, uh, Caleb Martin to do exactly what he did last series. And I don't know if you can count on them for that. Cause I think Jimmy Butler's kind of running out of gas. You saw it against the Celtics, like game five through seven wasn't quite the same energy level as one through four. And he's an older guy too. Bam out of the body has to play way better than he did in the Celtics series. And I think they'll use him as kind of a free safety type. Like, I think that this is going to do it. I think they're going to let Jokic get his points. They're going to keep Bam away from him because they can't afford to lose him on the offensive end. And then it just who's going to hit the most three pointers like we talked about last week? So what do you see on this one, Q? I'm going to defer because I didn't really catch uh, the Nuggets series. I really only was able to watch the Celtics and the Heat. I do obviously know Jokic and you know Michael Porter can shoot. They've got guys coming off the bench who can score as well. Like Jeff Green is a proven veteran to score. I, I think you said it best with the the recovery of the the altitude and you know Matt said it best. They're going to be playing on momentum in game one, so I, I, I agree with you. I think a Heat, you know, whatever, they're probably going to be plus money on that one. I think that's worth a good look, but then, you know, handle uh, Denver the way, you know, moving forward after that. I also think Denver's going to play a little rusty to start the game. When you have, I think the, the ideal amount is probably four to five days. Once you start getting into that eight, nine, ten day territory, then you start, you know, wondering. How hard were their practices? Did they have a, a couple practices that were game mentality to try to stay in that groove? You know, were they more concerned with getting guys healthy? You just don't. There's so many questions that you can uh, start to, to bring up about that. So I like where you guys' heads at. I, to me, I mean, the Nuggets. I think it's their year, their destiny. They just have too many scores. Nobody in the league can guard Jokic, in my opinion. The guy can shoot. He can pass. You know, he dribbles well. He plays good defense. You know, there's a reason for that. Adebayo's 
I think he's just going to be outmatched. He's going to be outsized as well. Uh, he can't guard, you know, two. He, I don't think he can play as a free safety in, in all honesty without being gassed out. I mean, it's kind of the him and Jimmy show in terms of defense. And I, I think it's just going to burn him out because there's too many options on the court. They're going to be chasing guys and essentially chasing the ball for four quarters. And I just don't see that as a sustainable success. Well, Q, I just want to say, how dare you? You're not catching up on the Nuggets game. Like, you don't have anything going on in your life at all. Come on now. Uh, you're going to be – you're up late. I mean, they played late. Those games were really Is late. Is still on that team? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> he is not, no. All right. Hey, English also retired. On my book, it's minus nine. Antonio McDice. My Antonio. Danny Fortson. <laughs> little Danny Fortson out there it. in Denver there. They used to stomp oh, my yeah. ass in, Doug in Moe? NBA 2000. Are we going deep there? Doug Moe coaching? <laughs> Doug Moe, am I correct on that? Oh, wow. There you go, way back. Oh, that's going way back, but I'm so good at that. So I have – Lieber and Michael Adams. (laughs) Paul West, didn't they they try to go like 200 – like they just run and gun out there at one point in there? Yeah, with the – Oh, yeah, there you go. Man, hey, we got everything on this show. So I got minus (laughs) nine guys, minus two – Minus nine, two nineteen right now in my book. The over under, I think that's kind of high. I might be eyeing that up. Just give me, just give me the point. Yeah, I like the plus nine there. Yeah, you like the plus nine for Miami? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, game one. Okay. What's the money line, Eddie? Uh, on my book, I had Nuggets minus four hundred, Heat plus two fifty. Play the plus nine, throw ten bucks on the plus two fifty. Oh, what? That's two fifty harsh. Uh, I, I got two ninety at uh, BetMGM, so Ooh. I think you can get around plus three hundred if you shop around a little bit. So, yeah, I think game one definitely take the points, take a little money line, and probably the under if you like Miami. And uh, I like if you like the Denver, under. definitely take the over. Yeah, and uh, I wouldn't lay the points, but boy, I'd, I'd probably wait, leave it live until if Miami made a run at them and take the Nuggets then. Yeah, I might be looking at I might be looking at that under. All right, let's dive in. We got a little bit before we'll do a break here. Let's dive into NHL. That's Jason and Maddie's thing here. We got the Florida Panthers heading out to Vegas. Vegas, I have Jason. Game one, I have minus one thirty on my book. Uh Florida plus one ten and the over under five and a half. Jason I, I I listen, I'm not, and I've said this many times on this show. I love gambling hockey. I'm not an expert. Man, I like it. <laughs> I like it. It gets me going a little bit here. But, man, how aren't you going to take Florida? I like Florida. What do you think, Jason? No, I mean, it, there's no reason not to like Florida. I mean, this is like a good series. Vegas is a little deeper, but a bigger question mark in the net. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing. It's another series where you've got like a week off between the games, which is uh, kind of rare that they have that much time doesn't really benefit either team, I don't think. I think Florida got a couple guys back, but they weren't really that hard to begin with. I think the biggest thing is, will Bob Rowski be as hot as he was with that time off? Or will he kind of kind of come back down to earth and not play the level he has through like the whole Eastern Conference playoffs where he kind of carried them? Um, yeah, I would think game one, I, I think it's a coin toss. I would definitely take lean Panthers plus 115. But uh, for the series, I like the Knights overall. But I think the biggest question mark is goaltending and where it comes down to. I do like the over in the first game. I know some of you like those hockey unders, but uh, I do off. think they're going to be a little pumped up. Their goalie's going to be a little rusty from the time off, and uh, you're going to have some fresh legs out there. The Vegas ice should be good. I think the Florida ice in the series will probably be pretty bad. Humidity is a bigger factor in ice quality than anything else. Obviously, we know the desert. There is no humidity. Miami has more than enough humidity for everybody. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they keep the ice good in Florida because they're going to want to skate. It's a fast team. Um, if it gets choppy, if it gets kind of ugly, Vegas is bigger. They're a little better at getting the ugly goals. So I would definitely – that's going to favor them uh, later in the series. Matty, what do you think? Well, real quick, I'm going to just jump in. You're talking about choppy ice. I needed that last week when I had that first period under and we talked about it. I need that delayed and maybe postponed. But now you're talking about the humidity and the choppy ice. Oh, go ahead, Matty. So I kind of agree with Jason, yet I kind of disagree with Jason. Um, and we've kind of been on that same boat for the past couple of years. So I, I think the goaltending is priority number one. But the, the crazy stat is um, Aiden Hill actually has a better goals against average and a better save percentage right now than Bobrovsky, which nobody's paying attention to. Now, I am 
all in. I am team Florida Panthers. I'm all in on them to win the series. The other reason after goaltending is like, who's the it guy? And we all know from the tabloids and everything, if you're paying attention, the it guy right now is Matthew Kachuk, who basically is probably even money with Bobrovsky to win the con Smythe. However, when you dig in a little deeper, Jack Eichel for um, Vegas is absolutely playing nutso right now. Uh, he's scoring. He's doing the dirty things. He's actually doing the Kachuk things for them. So I think it's a toss-up. I think this series is going to go seven. I think it's going to be a grind out. I think it's going to go one and one in Vegas and go back to Florida and go one and one. And then who's going to take it home? Not sure. I think there's going to be one of those overtime two overtime games where somebody gets the advantage. And I actually lean Florida because I actually think Kachuk is just a better it guy right now. And it's nothing against Vegas. They are deeper. They are bigger. And they also take a couple dumber penalties than what Florida does, which might hurt them in the long run, especially when Bobrovsky is so hot right now. They're, he's seasoned, and then Aiden Hill is a little more raw. So I, I give the edge to Florida in the series. You anything? And nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't say I'm much either. Put it out there. She was like, "Who the hell is Claude Smith?" I didn't. Do, uh, yeah, I didn't do my homework. Can I, can I tell you? I don't know either, but I like that first period under, and I like the choppy ice, and I like flicking <laughs> the puck back. It, it doesn't matter. It, it, you die. I, mean, I think you're onto something. I think you're onto something though with the first period unders because I, I, I mean, looking at game one, I think the total is what five and a half. I don't, think, I don't think any of these. I don't think any of these games are going to budge under five and a half. Period. I think. I think you, you can probably set that in stone for the whole series, unless one of these goaltenders gets run and then ran, ran right off the ice, and then they bring in a backup. You could see that line move. But it, I think that's a smart play. Is for you to actually just book it every every time. Get that first twenty minutes under your belt and go under first period. Well, I think I think it's a fun bet. I mean, I'm not saying go crazy. I never go crazy. I throw a little bit of pizza money on it and stuff. It's entertaining. But the thing is, like, you can be looking great, like really good. Like, I was 0-0 in that last uh, Dallas, maybe the second to last game in that 0-0. And then I was doing something, put the phone back on. It was 3 nothing. I was like, oh, there, that stinks again. I'm like, jeez, <laughs> I'm done with these at all. But, I mean, it's so fun. I mean, playoff hockey's fantastic. I think the NBA playoffs were really entertaining too wish my Celtics would have got into it but uh yeah there you go we're, I mean that's some good info I mean check our Twitter out we're gonna be giving out some plays I mean player props for sure I know Maddie really likes the NBA player props and he does a fantastic job on those and I like to try to dive into it so I got a lot of time tomorrow today was my last day at work so guess what I'm diving in hardcore now, so I love it so much. So, hey, stay with us. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk Major League Baseball, and then we're going to just give you a little tease. We got something like the regionals in college baseball coming up, and I know Q's really fired up for that. So we're going to come back, and we're going to talk those two things. So stay with us. We'll be back in like a minute, minute and a half. Stay with Notebook Wagering. Hey, we're back. Notebook Wagering Wednesday night, live from the Salisbury Center, fueled by Monster Energy. We're going to dive into a little bit of baseball talk right now, Major League Baseball, and then we're going to dive into college baseball and Q's going to get real fired up. We could have done probably the last 30 minutes with this, but we're going to, we're going to hold off on that. Uh, Hey, let's dive into major league baseball. Uh, Just overall, again, thoughts, what you're seeing with teams, maybe trends, maybe where you guys are leaning with bets. I have a couple things right now that's working for me, so I'll give out, but uh, Maddie, let's start with you. Anything right now, major league baseball, how's your Phillies doing? Are you excited? Are you not, or what's going on? I'm not excited. I'm not disappointed. They're kind of where I expect them to be with their injuries. They're getting their pitchers back. Uh, Schwarber and Turner are just being just absolute bums right now. They're of course they're losing to the Mets tonight, so that pain hurts. Ugh. Yeah. Um, I, I man, I'm not excited about baseball yet. I think we're still feeling everything out. I like when some guys get called up here soon. I like right before the all-star break when you get to see, okay, who's separating themselves? How are your bets? Your future's looking. 
I know Q has money on the Cubs, I believe. I got some money on the Tigers. Surprisingly, the Tigers are looking okay. I'm going to give one person a fade, and it's killing my fantasy team. Fade Alec Manoa of the Blue Jays. Oh, yeah. Absolutely brutal right now. I believe I heard a stat. He's got like 29 innings pitched or something and has 32 walks. I mean, just just give it up. Just uh, put him in the pen. Let him sort it out. Got a long reliever. Hey, Jason, go go right ahead. I, you, I don't no, know. Six, 6.85 walks per nine right now. That's insane. Yeah. Usually that stat's oh. around two or three. I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah, he's, I don't even hey, think. hey, jumping in real quick. He's pitching tonight three innings, two hits, two earned runs, two walks, one K. He's up to a 5.56 ERA. Go ahead, Q. I, I don't even think you bump into the pen. I think you send him to AAA for a little while and figure out what's going on. Is it the pitch clock? Is it his conditioning? He's out of, you know, out of shape. Like, you've got to look into a mirror because you have just went from all-star caliber to, like, shouldn't even be on the roster. And I understand they try, you try to work some guys through that, but you're on a team where they can make a run. They have the ability. They have the talent around him. You've got to correct this or maybe not even correct it, but you've got to figure out if this is a fixable problem now before you get too late in the season. And he costs you too many wins, in my opinion, for a team that, that has the ability to make a run. You, I was going to say the same thing. And it's a great point, but how do you spend a guy who was almost the starter in the all-star game, the triple A, I mean, maybe sit him, sit him a couple starts. I don't know if you can send that guy down to triple A and not have his ego absolutely shredded. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, you're right, but I think you got to have a, a real conversation with this guy and say, look, dude, why are you struggling? I mean, is yes, you're overweight. Is that the problem? Is the, the pitch clock, like, I mean, seriously, if for a guy his size to, to have to rush everything, that's gassing him. And I don't see where the the fallout could just happen. I mean, and he's not throwing balls to the backstop like Rick Ankeel. He's just walking guys. So, like, and he's just getting shelled. You, there's something underlying, and you've got to figure it out, whether you bench him, you send him to AAA for a, a look in the mirror or whatever – we're right on. It's it's just how they want to do it, but they've got to do it now, I think, and, and figure this out. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I agree with you. It's kind of scary. I mean, he's not Bartolo Colon. Uh, no, but he, I mean, he's not in the greatest shape. <laughs> oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, he's basically the the version of CC Sebastia without all the stats and yeah. And, but CC could take his time out there. Now he can't. So no, yeah. you're absolutely right. I just find it funny that that we're talking about this kind of week. It's interesting that Q mentions the pitch clock because he is still one of the slowest pitchers in baseball. 18 seconds per pitch, the 385th out of 390. So I think it's, I think he nailed it. I think he's just not in condition, and that the clock sneaks up on him. And you have seen it with the Phillies starting pitching. They struggled early in the year with the pitch clock, and they were one of the slower staffs last year. And they're starting to really come around now, but it took them a while to get used to it. I think Manoa, just like you said, he's just, he's just not in shape enough to pitch. He's only 25. He still has three options left. He's really never been down in the minors because he came up pretty quick from West Virginia. So I think you can send him down. I mean, it's not far away in Buffalo. And you can kind of – we know because I think you have to work on the mechanics or you have to figure a way around this because this is not something you can solve. You, you can't just drop 30 pounds in the next month and say, okay, you're ready to go for the fall. You know what I mean? Like they have to figure out a way to be able to use him because he is a really effective pitcher and it's not a team that has a lot of great starting pitching. I wouldn't be shocked there. That's like an IL. Like he has a blister. Yeah. yeah. You're going to see that hey, soon. Like he has a blister or hey. something. And then they, they – you know, Hey, can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. Can you guys just – obviously, I'm, I'm able to watch the Nationals here um, just with the baby and stuff. I've kind of been out of tune with the Cubs. I'm, I, I see them drastically losing. What happened? Because they started off so hot. Now, I know their pitching isn't stellar by any means, but they're dropping everything. Can you guys yeah, tell I me out here? So – it's the team. Oh, Who's the team again? The Cubs. Cubs. I don't think they were ever that good. You, um, like, they're they're average, um, and they yeah. they got hot early, and I believe Bellinger's on the DL. I think they're going to kind of go youth movement. Uh, they have that Christopher Morrell, Matt Mervis is playing, Nico Horner's still young, 
Swanson started out great, but no, say Suzuki's still young, but it's their pitching. Their pitching has really gone downhill. So, well, Strowman Stro- I mean, pitched a fantastic game the other day against uh, Tampa. But the thing with this, he's probably going to get traded as the season goes Yeah, I mean, they're going to get good outings, but I don't think yeah. they're going to get consistent good outings, yeah. which is the bad thing. I'm sitting on, I'll tell you right now, over 76 and a half wins, and I don't know if I'm going to get there now. No, I don't think you're going to get there. I'm not gonna I mean, do I was just hey, asking it's like, no, hey, listen, I'm going to say the same thing. I'm worried about my Pirates now. That looked like, and that was a lot lower. I, I'm worried about the Pirates. Now the Pirates won two in a row, um, but I'm worried about that. But I think, like, I think the Cubs, like Matt said, in my opinion, they're going to probably trade some people, and then you're going to go in that youth movement. I don't know if they're going to get there. I mean, they came in this week, and this is why, this is why baseball is so hard. Because they they came in the other day, the worst team in the National League. Tampa comes in there, and you're like, okay, Tampa's unbelievable. Tampa, well, they took the first two. They were winning again today. Tampa came back and got them. Now, let's. I'm going to jump really quick. The Braves. Braves went out to Oakland. Oakland can't beat anybody. Oakland, I had a, they one in 22 on day games and you go out there, but here's the great thing. Sharp angle syndicate. We gave this out on the other day. They, that Sunday night game, keep an eye on these teams that play Sunday night. The Braves played Sunday night, had to go out. I saw on Twitter. They didn't get, they didn't get out in that area until like 5 AM. Like it was late and Oakland beat them. Then you kind of, I and I'm going to say this, I played the, the team runs last night over for the Braves. Man, it didn't get close. They lost again last night. Now, I didn't see what the score was today. Did they win? The Braves? Yeah. Yeah, the Braves did win today. But, Smitty, I don't know if you're reading my mind or not. I actually wanted to bring the Braves up, but I wanted to bring a player up. Have you guys watched Michael Harris and what's going on? So he goes from rookie of the year. He's in like 170. This is another guy, Q. I think it's like the Manila. Do they send him down? Because he's actually starting to hurt them a little bit. I think so. He's young enough. I yeah. mean, they, they locked yeah, him up last year. He's, he's young enough. You can send him down and kind of correct the problem before it becomes almost like a – and I think the Braves, that's a perfect example. Like, they had kind of the, the Jeff Francoeur, right? He was the up-and-coming guy, kind of like Michael Harris. They never really sent him down, and he never really panned out. I think they just signed Michael Harris to a team-friendly deal last year or the year before. Send him down, figure it out before you create a systemic problem and you end up ruining this guy's career. You know, by him batting 179 in the major leagues, can't figure it out. Confidence goes down, and he's just a bust. Um, it's He's – I don't know. I mean, that's how I would handle it. I'm a cutthroat GM, though, when I run, you know – MLB the show teams, so it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I used to bench everybody on baseball stars when they weren't doing anything on Nintendo. So come on. No, I mean I think you have to in this this day and age. I mean you've the, the youth movement. Every player is playing that is so young. They kind of need reality checks, in my opinion, because they fly through the the minor leagues so fast. I mean you look at the older guys, right? the older stars, they didn't go through the minor leagues within one season and come up, you know, often. And now it's happening all the time. So I think that the development, you know, obviously it, they come up, they do well because teams don't really know them that well. There's not much on them for scouting purposes. And then teams start to figure them out. Then you decide, you know, is that player elite enough to kind of make the changes himself? Or does it rely on the team to have to make that changes? I think that's a lot. Here's the thing with baseball. We're seeing it with Hayes with the Pirates. The guy has a lot of potential. Hayes can play a great third base. And he can't hit. Jason's been calling this for like two years. And I've been like, ah, he'll be okay, Jason. He'll be okay. Don't worry about it. Well, it's starting to get a little panic time. Now, I think he had two, three hits today. But 
that's that's the thing with baseball. It's so hard. You get these guys and you go, oh, this guy's a sure thing. I mean, I always look at Pedro Alvarez for the Pirates. Guy played at Vanderbilt. Guy was good glove, good average, hit for power, came through the minor leagues looking at, then he just fell off. Couldn't throw a ball across the diamond. Couldn't hit, struck out all the time. Hey, did you, um, I wasn't on the show. Did you guys give out futures, MLB futures last show? I mean, we've hit, we've hit. Did not, did not get to that. No, we've done. And I, I added, you guys didn't comment on me. I did add a little pizza money, Sonny Gray, AL, Cy Young. Coming in the other day, it was 4-0 with a 1.82 ERA. I got him at plus 2,000. Pizza money. Now, he was cruising against the Astros the other night. Didn't pitch bad through six innings, I think two runs. Then it kind of got out of the, the bullpen a little bit. And then I went with this, uh, I think it's Bryce Elder for the Braves. Mm-hmm. Just to do something a little different. Because that other guy strikes out everybody in their staff. And, you know, he was 3-0 with a 2.01 ERA plus 9,000. I got him. And he pitched He pitched against Oakland last night. Didn't throw bad. Six innings, I think a run, like maybe three walks, five Ks. But, I mean, overall, any any chances, guys, that I should be entertained with that? Yeah, no, I think there's value in the uh, AL Cy Young race. I mean, uh, Eovaldi still, I was, I was actually looking up where he had fallen to, but he was like 16 to 1. I think there's still guys out there because it's a pitcher, right? So you never know if they're going to be healthy for the whole season. So it's really hard to take a Cy Young guy at really low odds. I think Strider's at what, plus 225 or something right now. You, you just can't do it because a little inflammation in the elbow, a little shoulder, but you know, they're going to be out and miss a bunch of starts and they're going to fall right off the mat. Um, so I think that that's a, a good value in getting 20 to 1. I mean, that's what you got to look for, I think, with all those. Uh, you know, the MVP races, I don't know if you can do that. It, it's kind of wrapped up in those two. I mean, you can go looking for those values. The best value is if Otani gets traded to a National League team because it opens up the AL wide open again. But do you really want to speculate on that? So, do you think he actually uh, no, gets traded at the deadline? Right no, I think they really need to fall off. I did too. Like, yeah, I just, it, but it, they're, Angels are stuck because you can't get enough for them. And I don't know if you can afford to pay them. <laughs> I don't think I don't a lot of teams either. Can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really, he doesn't, supposedly doesn't want to play in New York, which is a problem. It sounds like Seattle has it all lined up, but I'm sure the Dodgers will get in there too. But yeah, but I don't I think mean, the Angels it, would trade to an inner division. No, that's what I mean. So it can't be they can't trade them to the Mariners. So will they trade them for like a short season to the National League for a team that needs them? Like you can see that. Like there's a bunch. Of, like the Phillies actually would be a great spot for. I don't think they have the money to do it, but they need a starter. They could use a left-handed bat. <laughs> it would actually really fix a couple of their issues right now. But I don't know what they could give up. I don't think they have the farm system to go get them. So it's it's like I said, his price is interesting because he's a rental. He's not going to sign for a long term deal with you. You're going to be right back in the market with everyone else. So, uh, but I do think there is a potential there because I just, I think he's just frustrated the Angels situation. I mean, he should be. I mean, they have two of the best players, the two best players in the world on their team, and they're below 500. They're below the Pirates. So, it's not a good equation. I'll tell you real quick uh, what I do with them when he pitches. I always look at the other team run over, and I've hit like three times this year. Because the books, my book has it down. Like one night, I, I forget who they played. It was two and a half. And if you look, he gives up runs. He can give up some home runs. Pitching. It's easy. I think it's, I mean, we'll see how it plays. I do it. It's a, it's a fade every, it's an autoplay for me every, every week or whenever he pitches five days. I look at it and I'm like, oh, it's a good number. I'm taking it. It's been, I've hit it like hey, three gonna- times this year. I'm going to give out a pitcher cue. Um, Smitty, you won't like it because it kind of hurts your Sonny Gray. But his teammate, Joe Ryan, for the Twins, yeah. uh, second in the league in wins, I believe with seven. He's up there in strikeouts. He's not with Strider, who's just playing crazy good. But in the AL, I think it's a good flyer. And I did see some really big numbers on it if you wanted to look into that. Yeah, I lo- yeah, I know. He's definitely a guy. I don't want my radar, too. Can I, I'm going to throw one more thing I've been kind of doing. Like I said, I. I didn't give it out today. I played it. I gave it out on the Sharp Angle Syndicate earlier in the week. Anybody that plays the White Sox, look at the team runs over. Just because the starting pitching's eh. And then if you look at the bullpen, it came into this like 
couple of days ago, like a five point something second, I think worse in the AL. And you can sometimes get it like four and a half. I mean, if you get anything off the starting pitcher, like I played it today, it was four and a half. Wind was blowing in. So that always kind of scares people. I played the Angels. I played it myself. I didn't give it out. But they got like two or three. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> we'll go into another. That's another story. But they got like three off Lynn in like one inning. And then you go into that bullpen. If you can do that and then you get in that bullpen that's really not good, that's easy. That's easy. Keep an eye on the White Sox. It is, I know. It's kind of funny, though. Their numbers aren't that bad, the bullpen, over like the last month. But I think the defense for that team is just awful. And it kind of inflates everything. I might have been crazy for this, but I just threw a little pizza money on the uh, Orioles to win the league at 20 to 1. It just seems like they, you know, they're a young talent. You look at their stats. I mean, they don't, outside of Austin Hayes, he's the only one batting uh, 300 or even close to 300. But they just have that kind of mentality of like, they may not have the best six to seven innings, but then they kind of turn it on late. They're able to find ways to win games. You know, Kyle Gibson's turned into a whole other pitcher with them. He's got seven or eight wins. You look at them, they just kind of seem like a team. They're playing with a lot of emotion, a lot of fun. And when you when you face some – Jason and I always talk about this, whether it's basketball, football, uh, you know, baseball. There's some things that you just can't quantify to a number. And I think that's baseball players having fun and, and vibing well and just having that it factor. Right. And I think because they're so young, they're able to relate to each other. They're having fun, you know, the dong bong or whatever they want to call it. Like they're just a team to, of, of destiny, in my opinion, to where I actually don't think it's far fetched to say they couldn't, you know, be in a position to win that league. You, uh, so we were going to do this kind of last week. I actually have written down world to make the world series. Might not have the best bullpen, but they kind of have that young it factor right now. So I'm spot on with you. And it was 40 plus 4,500 last week. So I'm not sure what it is now, but I'm, I like it. I'd like it too. <sighs> I don't know if they have enough starting pitching to get through the East. Like if they were in the Central, I would love it. If they just had to get to the playoffs and then like knock off two good teams, then I would be there. Cause like I agree, they have a mojo. But, man, I think they're just going to ground down that East. It's going to be so hard. Like, you know, all those teams are still kind of just above 500. They might make it. As bad as they played, they're still three games over 500. Like, this is going to be really rough for that group unless Grayson Rodriguez takes a jump. Um, you know, like you said, Gibson's going to have to keep pitching at the level he is. It's the other three really concern me, though. I know they got the but that's a That's a team, though, that they don't normally have themselves in a position to make moves at the deadline because they're not – you know, position to, to succeed and make a playoff run. Yeah. They could be a team where they start dumping guys, you know, in a, in a nice run and maybe throw, cause they typically have, you know, a, a good farm system. Now there's going to be guys, some of them that are untouchable uh, as, as we can imagine, but overall, like look out for them. They, maybe they get a starting pitcher or two. Maybe they go for the Otani, you know, rental guy just to try to, you know, keep this magical thing going in Baltimore you know, good fan base when they're they're winning. You know, now's the time to shoot their shot. Well, I think I think you hit on that there. That, that used to be a really good fan base, but man, uh, that Pirate series down there, it was empty. It looked it looked like PNC, which was surprising to me because they've been good now for about a season and a half. Yeah, where they've been really I think entertaining. Come back. They play fun. It's a fun team. Yeah, but it just boy, it's just surprising that they haven't caught on. I'll tell you, San Francisco was another market. I was shocked at how empty that stadium was uh, yeah. for the Pirates game last night where I just, I just expect them to always have 25-30 regardless of who they're playing. Like, well, um, they're, they're coming yeah, back. But, they have a section that they sprinkle water on them. They call it like the bird bath. <laughs> I, I, I think the world is just back. I mean, I, I'm just joking. That's September bowl. Less than Baltimore people. I'm just joking. It looks like a fun section. Okay. Hey, real quick before we dive into our last topic tonight, we have two games later tonight. If you need some action from the guys from Notebook Wagering, you got Colorado going into Arizona. Arizona is a pretty big favorite, minus 162. Uh, any quick thoughts? Anybody jumping on that? 
Smitty, you're missing the the schedule, dude. You got the River Cats playing the Rainiers, Wawa <laughs> playing the Aviators. Wow, well, I, <laughs> I wish hey, you could... I'm one and zero in minor league baseball. I That's love on it. The East Coast. I love it. All right, anybody with that Arizona game? No takers. I might look. I, at, I might I look at team it. runs. I might took like look at team runs. This is a game I'm eyeing up because I want to jump into something really quick here before we go off tonight. You got the Yankees, Seattle. This is a really good matchup here. It opened at minus 156, has gone down to minus 144, seven and a half. You got Schmidt against, uh, I think it's Schmidt, uh, Clark Schmidt against uh, Kirby tonight um, there. Schmidt's not, Schmidt hasn't pitched bad the last couple outings for the Yankees, but he's not their top guy. I think this is a spot that I think Seattle could get it right tonight because a good team, Yankees are playing extremely well right now. But I think this is a good spot for Seattle tonight. I'm probably going to take money line tonight, and that would be my play on the show here tonight. Anybody else on that game? You're going to take the Mariners minus 140? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I, I think Mariners will get this tonight. I kind of I kind of like the over in that game, over seven and a half. Uh, I kind of like that too. I Kirby pitch, and I, like you look at the numbers, it, he's like a 4-4 whip right now over his last like month of starts. The stuff doesn't really match up with that. He's way better than that when you watch him pitch. But for some reason, he's getting barreled a bit whenever he actually does get a hit. Um, Seattle's always tough with the overs, though, because the bullpen's really, really good. Uh, but I do like the over 7.5, barely. And then I like the team runs with Arizona. Uh, Colorado starting LeMay, who basically has always been injured for the Padres. Now I guess he's ended up in the Rockies situation, which is basically your last stop before you're kind of done with baseball. <laughs> um but Rocky's offense is a little suspect here uh, against right-handers. Only about 84 uh, runs created. So it's kind of a little dicey taking them. But I do like the over on the uh, um, Diamondbacks team runs. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, hey, let's dive in. we got about seven, eight minutes here. Let's go really fast. We're going to try to do another show maybe tomorrow, and we're going to get it out here on Notebook Wager and also with college baseball. We got the regionals. Q is, man, this guy is all over this right now. And this is our thing. So let's just rapid fire some stuff. We're not going to dive into everything here. I have a couple things that the boys want to jump in here. Q, the first thing I want to do, not my top thing, but I'm going to try to be good because we're down in this area. You got Wake Forest. You got Maryland. You got Northeastern. And you got George Mason right around our corner here. Sean Camp did an unbelievable job. Uh, this year with George Mason. Is there any chance anybody, Maryland, I'm going to just go Maryland, George Mason, Northeastern has good pitching. Can anybody knock off Wake Forest in that region? No, there's there's no chance. Uh, Wake Forest had some bad luck in the Maryland region last year. Uh, Maryland ends up losing to UConn in a regional final. UConn ends up going to Stanford and then loses. Wake Forest is number one in almost every pitching category. It's so so one-sided. You almost have to double and triple take the stats because in a college baseball world with 305 teams, you just look in and you're like, am I reading this right? Like, they're number one in almost everything, and they are. I mean, if you've watched them, they, they could be bored out of their minds and still pitch better than anybody else. They are ready for – playoff baseball you could kind of tell in the last month of the season they, they did look bored but they have an offense that's just as explosive as florida lsu they might get a little more overshadowed because of how dominant their pitchers are with with sean sullivan you know seth keener josh hartle and then obviously rhett louder who is probably number two pitcher in the country you know those guys are electric i mean it's it's funny and, I, and i'll bring this up a little earlier than you bring it up we talked about off the air so most teams in a 1-4 matchup don't necessarily throw their ace you know because they're looking for him to pitch Saturday against theoretically the the two seed um, is, is who they anticipate playing when you're Wake Forest your two and three starting pitcher is a number one on every other team and that's just unheard of in college baseball a couple teams have some stout pitching, but there's nobody in that region that can challenge them. Uh, it's minus 230. I, I would never lay the juice publicly, but I think it's worth if – if to get $100 to lay 230 on a Wake Forest, I think that is as close of a lock as you can get, in my opinion. Wow. 
Yeah, I mean, you look at Maryland in that region would be like the only team you could really give them a run just because of the offense. But you look and then it's a staff that has issues with walks and Wake Forest is like one of the best uh, patient teams. Six runs a game. Yeah, they're looking bad. So it's not a great matchup there. Advance to Deeks. Move ahead. What you got, Smitty, or do you just want me to kind of go? No, no, I'll keep right. I got about four. I mean, I can just dive in and the boys want to jump in here. So I got another one here. Um, I think the South Carolina one, Campbell, NC State, Central Connecticut State. South Carolina is a team that, again, kind of struggled. I was on it a little bit, maybe about a month, month and a half ago. Then they kind of started kind of scuffling a little bit. Campbell's a very good team, you know, 4.53 ERA, good hitting team. NC State's a team that, you know, got robbed a couple years ago in the when the COVID kind of came around and everything last year, they should have got probably in this too and everything. Is this a good spot maybe for like a three seed NC state to maybe win this and you can really cash on a good ticket? Yeah, I think uh, you could, there's some controversy with South Carolina getting in, you know, as the eighth SEC team earlier on in the year, there was a no doubter. They were four and 11 in their last 15. So they kind of limped in. They really leaned on their RPI uh, at number eight, and their strength of schedule number four, and you could tell the uh, the board or the directors that that kind of choose who's what. You know, they really, really leaned in the RPI, so that I think that kind of gave them the edge over Campbell, who probably deserved the spot more so uh, for what they were able to do this year. But I do, man. This is I joke like this. There on a coin flip, if there was a three headed coin flip, I think this is the 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 region that you have that I think. If you had a ticket at 275 on NC State, you're looking pretty good. Campbell at 200. And even to get plus money on a South Carolina team that, you know, played really bad down uh, at the end of the season, they are getting Cole Messina back. So the catcher, he had uh, some concussion issues, so that's good. Brandon Wimmer, their shortstop, should be back. They also got LaCroix, their start, their baseman back. So I actually think South Carolina could maybe kind of bounce out of this thing with a, a hostile home crowd. Uh, to make things difficult for NC State and Campbell. But NC State in 2021 probably was the favorites in Omaha to win the College World Series. They got screwed over a a COVID scandal. Last year, they got screwed for not even making the tournament. They're a team that is pretty deep. They have good pitching that kind of went under the radar. They've shown flashes. I think they can make a good run, and I think that's good value at plus 275. For them to only be plus 275 as a three seed, I think the committee's trying to tell us something, that there may be a better three seed or a better opportunity than, than maybe some others. So I think if you go South Carolina at the plus 130, the Campbell plus 200, and NC State at plus 275, you're not sitting in a bad spot either way. It's, it's more of how you break down the numbers and what you see fit. I think it's going to be one of the best regions for baseball in a competitiveness standard. Or, uh, so it's going to be fun to watch. Okay, I got a quick – go, go ahead, go ahead. Can I fire a question at Q? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to put them on the hot spot. <laughs> Q, without, without being biased, tell me why Texas Tech isn't going to beat Florida in that regional. I just think they're inconsistent. They're pitching. I mean, they have – Molina, who's a stud, but then it's it's a really big drop off. I mean, this is a team that you know they lost to um, uh, North Dakota State earlier in the season. Now they did end up taking the series, but they got embarrassed in Game One. Florida never had any bad losses like that, and I think it's a mentality thing as well as a talent. I don't think Florida has the easiest draw by any means, even though the numbers say they do when they kind of break down the seating. Texas Tech is always dangerous in the postseason. UConn plays a, a weak schedule. I don't really understand how their RPI is actually as high as it is. Uh, they're a team that played really well last year. They probably should have beat Stanford. Stanford ended up hitting back-to-back-to-back home runs late in the game, which is, you know, it's unheard of at that level. So I, even though UConn's a pesky team. I just think Florida at home is so dominant. I mean, Brandon Sprode is incredible at home. Now, he is a little rocky on the road, so that is fortunate for them. But to have Cags come in, he had a bad start last time, so I think he'll kind of regroup. He'll, he'll destroy A&M, and then Florida's going to save their uh, their top pitchers, Person Waldrop and Sprote, for Saturday, Sunday. Molina's going to have to pitch Saturday, and if 
even if they win or lose, I just don't see where they, they have the extra pitching to kind of make this run against the Florida team who has a bullpen. They can piece together a spot start if need be. Uh, and that's that's crucial in these, these playoffs. I mean, that's one of the biggest things I'll say on tomorrow's show is when these teams lose and they have to come out of the loser's bracket, what team can piece together a bullpen game and still win? There's not many teams that can do that, in my opinion. Okay. I want to check two other things out real quick. The yeah. other reason I said it is because Texas Tech actually led the Big 12 and run. So they, they, they hit. Yeah, they're a machine. They can definitely score. It's gonna, I'm going to parlay that. And then they're actually fourth in college baseball in ERA. I think they're the sneaky team there. So one of the games that I actually wanted to shout out for, uh, I think is a good bet. I'm not going to say it's a lock by any means. When Texas Tech plays UConn, both high-powered offenses, look for an over in that game. That's a bet to look for. Yeah, I, I think, you know, so the two threes, it's different. They're probably going to throw their starters. So I think uh, without seeing the, the actual game line yet, i look tonight and probably tomorrow. Look for Texas Tech on the money line if it's minus 200. I think they have the better pitching matchup if Molina goes. And I, like you said, they're a powerhouse offense, and they have been all season. The problem is they typically, outside of their game one starter, they can't stop anybody else. Um, but if he's not going, then I would be a little wary of that and definitely take the over. Uh, but if he's going, look at a money line for that team if you get a good price. But, no, I agree. I mean, I think they're a tougher and that's where I alluded to. They're tougher than what the numbers say. Okay, so I, real funny, and then I'm done here. And then Jason can fire anything. We can wrap up here. I just have a funny thing. Kentucky, West Virginia, Indiana, Ball State. If you have not heard this story yet, it's down in Kentucky. There's no hotels. So these teams got told, okay, you're going to stay in the dorms. Well, that's fine. Okay, it's a place to stay. The funny thing about the whole story is they want them to pay $185 a night to stay in the dorms. So, Maddie, question for you. My last thing for the night. Slippery Rock. We both went to Slippery Rock, which we enjoyed our time up there. Fun time. How much right now, if you had to go up and stay at Slippery Rock and they said, Matt, you can stay at Slippery Rock, but you're in a dorm. How much would you pay for a night? Well, I'm not even sure what dorms are there anymore, but if like when it was orientation and they slapped us in the founders with no air conditioning, <laughs> one little slab window that slides open, eight floors with one elevator. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm giving you four bucks and a throat punch because that's <laughs> brutal. to charge something for, for colleges that are going to bring in business to the freaking town. What a bunch of dolts down there. Yeah, but that's, that's not the way it is anymore now. Like these kids are soft. Like, oh, I know this is a white game at Penn State, and those are hotels now, those dorms, yeah. man. Yeah. Our, My freshman so, year, it was 95, like, every day of August and September. We were dying, and these kids don't ever deal with that at all. Yeah, no, it's all luxury apartments up the Slipper Rock. Now, there's still a couple old-school dorms, but, yeah, everything's a, a nice apartment. Yeah, it can't campus. be a nice apartment. It had to be, like, founders. Like, I wanted something yeah. like that. Okay, good point. Jason, <laughs> anything you. before we wrap up, man? Anything you have for Q for college baseball here? No, I just I like that region. I want to give me the Mountaineers, baby. Uh, you love you. West Virginia. You love West Virginia. That man. Kentucky region. They're angry. They're sleeping on terrible beds and little unconditioned dorms. They're, they're going to be out there. They'll be ready to take down the the Wildcats. I like that. I like that play. I think West Virginia gets them. We'll talk about I'm, it on the I'm show also tomorrow. A, a team that Q loved, Oregon State. I'm going to say that we got some new listeners. Oregon State alum. Shout out to AB and BB. Hey, I have Oregon. I have a ticket on Oregon up. State. I'm off of them. I'm off. I'm off of them. I'm still on. I'll tell you why. Their number one starter is not pitching in a regional, and their number three starter is not pitching in a regional. Okay, I'm off of Oregon State. Okay, can somehow can I get rid of that ticket? Can I get refunded on that? It just broke today. It wasn't. I wasn't trying to to one up you guys. It broke today. So uh, that's it. Another breaking news is Vance Honeycutt, the star outfielder for North Carolina, is not playing in that region as well. So those are big injuries uh, to look out for. I'll, I'll plug it as before we end the show. Myself and Matt Grissom and Jason have worked really hard at uh, NCAA Insiders to create a, a, a regional guide. We're going to do this for the regionals, the super regionals, as well as Omaha. It's going to be free of charge. It should be out by 10 o'clock Eastern time tonight. We're grinding on it. It's going to have every region broken down with advanced analytics. 
their odds, a probability stat. Um, it's going to have, you know, our best bets in it, a pick them section, you know, a nice little paragraph for each region. So uh, it, it's by far the best on the market, you know, especially at a free price. Um, please, please check it out. Follow us at NCAA Insiders. We're going to be pushing that stuff out as well as on Notebook Wager. And, you know, because it's a, it's kind of a, a joint thing going on. So uh, it should be a really good uh, regional guide to kind of, you know, I always say we did the research so you don't have to. We're going to give you everything to where you can really make some sound bets uh, and, and win some money in this tournament. So uh, that should be out by 10 o'clock tonight at collegebaseballinsiders.com. So check that out and uh, download it. It's free. It can't hurt. And our buddy uh, Matt Grissom is going to be on Visa tonight, correct? Yeah, Matt, uh, Matt Grissom, my podcast co-host uh, for the College Baseball Insider stuff. He's going to be on with Matt Yeomans at 9.30 Central Time, so 10.30 Eastern Time on VEASAN. And, again, he's going to be plugging that as well, talking best bets, you know, what to expect from the uh, the regional weekend here in college baseball. All right, guys, it's a busy time of year, but it's exciting, and we are all over it. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Guys, anything else? Let's win some bets. Let's win some bets. That's what, that's what we do. We win some bets. Q, take us out. As always, bang your bookies. Thanks for listening to the Notebook Wagering Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and be sure to follow at Notebook Wagering. Until next time.